Hello, and welcome to the Woke Wisdom Podcast. This is Alexandra Loves. And today I'm recording from Oakland, California, in a beautiful home surrounded by sunlight and sage. Yes, the summer is almost here. But still, the moon garden is always with me. And that is where wisdom is nourished, awakening is embraced, and fun is encouraged. I'm grateful to be reconvening with you in this audio space. And I'm appreciative to each and every one of you who has been listening to this creation that is a podcast. (laughs) There was a time when I was afraid to really get my thoughts and experiences out there and even ask people to appear as guests. So we got over that hill. (laughs) And now here here it is. Here we are. And your support in listening uh, gives me life. And please, if you could, I ask you, take a minute just a few clicks to rate and review this podcast wherever you are listening. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. I hope that you enjoy your experience and please check out the guests we host every other week. Also, the first episode, which is an orientation, that's the title of the episode, is a great place to start for anybody who's new to the woke wisdom world. Today, we're talking about a question that someone sent me and you can always send me questions through the woke wisdom podcast at gmail.com email, or you can text them to me on WhatsApp at 601-301-6974. This question was one that I love asking people. And also I do love answering this question. So I'm excited to share these things with you today. The question was, can you talk about a time when you experience transformation? Uh, Whoa, that's a big question because I feel like I'm always experiencing transformation. Uh, We're always transforming and pulling back these layers of what is sort of put on us so that we don't know ourselves or who we really are. Um, And that makes it easy for us to bear wounds and condition to bear wounds, especially those who are afraid to look into the darkness and the shadows, whether it be in our own family lines or those around us. And it also conditions us to think it's normal to um, bear the weight of others who expressed pain and expressed their wounding on all the beings of this earth. And so because of this, I perceive transformation that helps us become who we really are, beings of this earth, beings of light, is a sacred experience. It's a ceremony And it can be a ritual too. And the transformations I want to talk to you about, um, these transformations specifically were ones that were deeply healing that allowed me to embody myself, my real self, my spirit. These are transformations that helped me be far more conscious about who I really am uh, manifested. And that is spirit, you know, who I really am. I am, I am spirit manifest manifested into my human perception of myself. I already am that. I already am spirit. But it was more about my perception, my my uh, conscious my consciousness of embodying that in myself. And the first transformation I want to share is <laughs> a experience I had where someone was expressing some pretty deep and insidious racism and white supremacism and uh, engaging with the argument of 
slavery was okay in some ways. Let's look at the bright side. And because of walking this world and melanated skin and because of some of the specific work I've done and also living in many white areas in the United States, I've heard this argument, believe me, more times than you might think of the bright side of slavery, the bright side of genocide. Um, I don't think people always understand that that's the seed of what they're saying, but I've heard it more times than I care to count. And so this person said, so I won't get into the details because the details about what she said, <laughs> that's a whole nother episode. But, um, it was obvious that this is, this is what she was saying. And as soon as she made this, let's look at the bright side of slavery argument. Um, it got real uncomfortable real fast. <laughs> and, there was this opening where I felt an expectation for me to agree. It was palpable. And again, I know this because of the work I've done. I've been in this experience, people making these debate, this this particular argument and adjacent arguments uh, multiple times. And so I know what it looks like and feels like. And immediately I was like, no, 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 I am not your mammy. I am not here to make you feel okay about what you just said. There's no agreement here, no making it lighter. I'm not going to add anything to what you just evoked in this conversation, in this existence between us right now, period. That's what I was feeling. I didn't say any of those things, but that was my initial instinct and intuitive like response inside me. And as this was happening simultaneously, I saw this little like baby monster ghost that looked a lot like, do you remember Pac-Man? It looked a lot like Pac-Man. And this baby monster ghost was like warbling and like, huh, and sweating. And it just looked sick. And out came these arms and hands. I'm telling you, I saw this. This wasn't just like something I thought about later. This was happening in this moment. I was seeing it happen in real time, almost to a point where I, I thought for sure she could see it too. And so this warbling monster ghost was like reaching out its hand and it's full of anxiety and sweating and has like, it's starting to see there's like big teeth and um, holding out its hand for me to take responsibility for it, basically like hold my hand. And I'll tell you, I have many years of experience of making things okay for others. <laughs> I know some of you identify with that, laughing it off, you know, being, you know, bypassed and then laughing off being the bypassed. And to be honest, making white people comfortable with their attachments to whiteness and privilege. But I also have some years of consciously learning to embody myself in an indigenous spiritual way, learning about my own energetics and boundaries. Um, and also recently I've had a really low, low threshold for colonized nonsensical thinking in myself and in others. But this was the journey I was on. And this was a ripe moment for me to take action in a way that was aligned with this new evolution of myself weaving all the things that I had learned and practiced that helped me heal from these types of situations and other wounding that was related. This was a very transformative moment. And I could feel that something in me was different. So I let myself sit in this very uncomfortable density and this baby monster of shame and guilt and ignorance and unexamined whiteness and privilege and toxicity. <laughs> I realized that I could go a little deeper 
And I was feeling the no, 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 I'm not going to do this, no. But there was this sense also of, this is yours. I let this be yours. And I knew in this moment, I recognized whose responsibility it was. That was new for me. It was very transformative. And I knew in that moment that I didn't need to add anything. It was so freeing. I just, the most important thing in that moment was to be silent, dead-eyed, no emotions, blank face. And some of you might uh, recognize that as mirroring, a type of mirroring. It's a way to sort of show a person themselves instead of taking on what they're projecting on you and just hold up a mirror. And I waited in this state of um, projected neutrality. And I waited and I waited and I'm telling you, it probably was like 15 to 20 seconds, but it felt like a lifetime because also there's a transformation happening inside me in so many different ways. Like little synapses in my brains were going, no, you're supposed to do this. And then my, you know, you're supposed to make it okay. And then there's parts of my, my, you know, my ancestors are like, say nothing, you know, like there's so much going on inside me. And I'm saying all this to say it wasn't like graceful. It wasn't like all of a sudden I embodied this new way of being. For me, internally, there was a little bit of a war going on because there's a part of me that wanted to reach out and hold the hand of this little baby ghost monster. I was conditioned that way at some point. And the ghost, I'll say this, in the vision that I was having, this ghost knew that I'm usually the one to hold its hand. And as I stood there in the silence and kind of mirrored, this person, I saw her fluster and fumble and try to sort of change the subject and make a joke and avoid, avoid, avoid what just happened. And as that was happening, well, first I'll say, I know that she knows she was amiss in some sort of way. I don't think that she was conscious of what she had evoked, this monster. And as she was fumbling, that monster floated over to her like Pac-Man style. <laughs> I know there's a, a part of part of you out there know what I'm talking about because you've actually seen Pac-Man, classic Pac-Man. Pa- this Pac-Man monster floated over to her and wrapped its arms around her and she had no idea. And when that monster got all of its arms all the way around her body, she just slumped. And I was like, damn, that's a lot to carry. And then something opened up around compassion inside me about her. And that was also a transformative experience. It was a, a ceremony with many, <laughs> with many layers. In that moment, I transformed into an Alexandra that uh, allows people to take responsibility for their what they're evoking, especially if they're evoking something that is an ancient wound, especially when it comes to the blight of the earth, um, the the white supremacism, the racism is what, what we see it as now, but also the genocides and also the civilization of people and colonization of people and the normalizing of abuse and violence, misogyny the destruction of women. Um, when somebody's evoking that wound and projecting it, projecting it onto me, I transformed into an Alexandra that doesn't need to take responsibility for that in any way. <laughs> 
I don't need to engage with with those projections or those evocations. I don't need to hold hands with that pain body or that monster because that specifically is not my responsibility. Now that does not mean that I'm shirking responsibility for become creating myself to become a being of this earth, to re-indigenize myself, to, uh, to create the work that I'm here to create, to support people who are healing this earth, to be aware of what's going on around me. It just means that in these situations, um, it's no longer part of who I am to, uh, you know, slump down with the weight of people's evocations, right? And now I'm more free because of this transformational ceremony. And look, sometimes I mess up, right? And I touch the hand of a Pac-Man monster and I'm like, ah! Um, But the signals of them showing up, um, first of all, they show up a lot, uh, a lot more rarely. And the signals and the visions and the energetics I get when somebody's evoking the blight of this earth in my direction, they're far more clear. And now I embody an esteem about myself and who I am and my availability for what people bring into my space. Another transformation that I wanted to share with you, and I'm excited to share this because I think it's really important for all of us to find out who we really are um, on many levels, spiritually, find out our bloodlines, find out our in, where where our indigenous lines are because we all come from people who are earth peoples. We all come from people who worked with and had relationships with ancestors and spirit and the moon and the stars and the earth and fire and water. We all come from that somewhere in our in our DNA in our line. We're beings of this earth, and I love watching what happens and experiencing what happens when people find out more and more about who they are. I highly suggest it for everyone. Um, The transformational experience I want to share with you was getting myself to Africa and how that affected my identity. So I grew up in Saudi Arabia and I did not identify with like race identity the way people do here. So I did not grow up thinking, oh, I'm black or I'm African-American. It was like a foreign thing that my parents like told me about and like kind of educated me about. But it seemed like, I mean, I was born and raised my whole life over there in international community. So when they talked about like, and they didn't talk about those identities a lot, but when they talked about it, it just seemed like another foreign thing that is just like my parents thing, right? So when I came here to the States, I found out that people seem to obsessively engage and um, be conditioned to box themselves in with identities, especially around race and gender and all sorts of things, even job identities. And it felt really strange. And I started to later be able to sort of name some of the aspects of these um the way we identify here and some of that has to do with capitalism and a lot of it seems very inorganic. And again, we can talk about this on a whole other episode. And and if you listen back to some of the guest episodes, some of our amazing guests talk about this in in different aspects. But in the United States, it really seems to be um, quite unique in the way that we sort of box in in our identities. And 
when I moved here, I was really challenged by everyone and every system around me about blackness and how I people would tell me I needed to identify. I was told how I need to identify as a black person or African-American as soon as I got here by adults and kids of all quote unquote races. And I was given accolades and punishments according to how well I fit into the box, according to their perception and their degree of what the black box or the African-American box was. It was um, extraordinarily (laughs) toxic and terrible. And as a result, I experienced over a decade of a very silent internal uh, and a very depressing race identity crisis. And after going through that, I felt like I was left kind of small and shackled and with also, you know, a lot of throat energetic center problems, just to name a few things. And I'm still sort of breaking out some of those boxes that were, that I didn't even know some of them that I was kind of being boxed into when I moved to the States that were associated with race. And the transformation came when I decided to let go. This is now you know, maybe eight years ago or nine years ago, I made a conscious decision to break out of trying to identify in the way that I was told that I needed to identify by everything around me, everybody around me. I decided that I was just done with it. And I'd go back to what I knew I would remember myself. Ooh, remembering the layers of remembering self. (laughs) And part of that journey was seeking my blood, my bloodline, my people, my family. And as this amazing journey continues, um, at some point, this connected me to my roots in West Africa. And I actually went there on a pilgrimage. Again, another episode. (laughs) And this experience of remembering myself organically as a being of this planet, a spirit first, rather than identity that has been twisted and boxed and stolen and changed and made evil and capitalized, especially capitalized to make us fight with each other. (laughs) Um, It was a magnificent transformation, transformational ceremony that continues to return to me. And navigating the world around me that just seems to program people, even people with the best intentions, to desire to own and twist my own perception of myself the navigating of this becomes much easier. (laughs) I stopped engaging with this game of identity that we're in, and it was more of a matter of recognizing embodiment of myself according to what I, my spiritual makeup, and my ancestors value rather than what the system or a group of people or a movement or who the people who say they are right you know, um, all of that doesn't really have as much weight or even any weight to me anymore. So to give an example, I am a being of light. I am a being of this planet. I am an explorer. I am Oracle in this human experience. I am woman. These aren't identities to be broken down and analyzed through the perception of anyone else or a system that has no integrity or right to tell us who we are. And I embody all of these aspects of all that I am. And really when I sit with this, 
there is not an organic need or desire to explain these facets of myself. They just simply are. You know, that's where that whole I am comes from. They are. I am. This is. And in further reflection, I've become acutely, since this transformation, I've become acutely aware that there is a culture here in the States that continuously wants me to explain who I am. And in that way, there's, you know, a lot of cracks. When, when that happens, there's the, these conditionings and programs that are looking for ways to crack in and, you know, colonize who you are, right? And I've learned that in this, another aspect of this transformation is to be mindful about the occurrences in which I'll engage with an explanation of I am and what I embody, because I found myself interacting with um, groups or systems or people where um, the thinking seems to be seeking to own, seeking to uh, colonize, seeking to converting something that I embody into a boxable identity uh, to be used in any way that the system or a group of people, no matter how well-intentioned, want to. And so this is an ongoing transformation of remembering and embodiment that's allowed me to develop a reverence for myself and all that I am that is. And it's a reverence that now I know and remember that I came into this world with as a child and had somehow lost along the way. And reverence for self feels so good. And the last one I want to share is <laughs> today is something happened maybe a year ago. I've gone through different phases of this, but this not being available, there's something that happened a year ago where I realized that I have a lot of really awesome people in my life, friends, acquaintances, collaborators, super friends I've known for a really long time, new awesome friends. And I made myself so available for so much of my life for anyone. And there was an imbalance of the reciprocation. And by reciprocation, I don't mean like I picked up the phone, then you pick up the phone. I did this for you, so you did it. I don't mean that. I just mean energetically, I was giving way too much in all of my, almost all of my relationships. And I don't know when or how I learned that, you know, that's <laughs> that's for me to discover on my own. And, and I, I find, you know, I peel back new layers of that all the time. <laughs> Sometimes when I don't even realize it. Um, but... Um, it was, I realized that I was not really letting the universe, letting the beings around me that were taking care of me and supporting me, protecting me, I was not making space or letting them know like now is a time, creating time for myself or space for myself to say now is for me. Now we give to me. And because of that, it was reflecting my relationships and the communication or the actions that would have been appropriate to take when there was 
a huge imbalance in a relationship. I didn't know to take those or to communicate them or how that could happen. And so I was holding even more weight of frustration or holding, holding even more weight. And, you know, in my, in my history, I am a fawner. And so if I wasn't getting what I needed, I would show up more. <laughs> Uh, fawning over a person, being more available. Um, and okay, I know some of you are out there like analyzing what this is and you know, or maybe you've been recognizing it yourself. But when I took a step back and realized where the places and the times that I'm making myself available, I started asking that question. And at that same time, I heard a I can't remember which audiobook it was, but a famous researcher, she has lots of audiobooks out there, and she was talking about how she cared she was talking about I care about the opinions of five people and she named like her mom, her her daughter, her husband, and like her therapist and somebody else. And I I heard I heard that person say that and I was like, Oh, okay. I'm holding, I'm valuing everyone's opinion and everyone's sort of energy towards me as the highest rather than my own. Now, in truth, there was a time when I was like, oh yeah, there's like five people that I really value and everybody else like, I like them, they're great, but whatever. I don't I don't think it's the exact same for me. I, I, I do um, value the opinion of, of many people around me and, but more, I realized it's not really about the opinion of people that that is really appropriate for me to focus on. Really, it's about the energy they bring or the inspiration that they bring or the care and support that they bring into my life. And I started to become less available to all those that I was available to before and start to observe and explore who... Um, is coming towards me with what I need and what feels like a, a balanced, what feels balanced for me in relationships. So I became less available and I started revaluing what was going on in relationships. And I, I just really don't care as much about people's opinions <laughs> as much as I used to, good or bad. I care about what's in their heart <laughs> and and how we connect in a balanced way. And that was a big transformation because before I was really, I was really, my worth and my value were much lower. And now that I notice that the people who I keep close and the people I, I continue to interact with more often, um, there's a much better balance and it feels freer and lighter. And I feel like I can be myself more and in my evolution, whether those people are in and out of my life or, you know, there for a season or, or, you know, long-term now that I have this sort of, um, I wouldn't say measure, but this sort of feedback system going on, um, I feel freer to be myself and uh, not get pulled into old conditionings and attachments of what is this person going to say? How am I going to keep them around? How am I going to show my value? Maybe I give them more. Maybe I, I make sure they know I'm here. All that doesn't work for me. <laughs> so 
being less available uh, has been really transformative <laughs> for me. And uh, now I just feel like my connections are so much juicier. So thank you for that question. I don't remember who asked that question. Uh, I, I only want to say names if you say it's okay to say your name on the podcast. Again, please send me your questions, wokewisdompodcast at gmail.com. Or you can text them to me at WhatsApp number, which is 601 301 6974. Be blessed out there. Enjoy your life. I'm excited to continue on with you in this audio space. Please find us on Facebook and and uh, Instagram at Woke Wisdom Podcast. And I have a lot of love for all of you out there. Okay, bye-bye. The original and healthy beats for this podcast were created by Quincy Davis. details are in the show notes. Woke Wisdom Podcast episodes are written, hosted, produced, and edited by me, Alexandra Loves. My guests, of course, bring their own wisdom. If you have any questions you want me to answer on the podcast, you can email me at wokewisdompodcast at gmail.com or even better, text the podcast at 601-301-6974. I would be so grateful if you helped me share these messages far and wide by boosting the podcast with good reviews on Apple Podcasts or by sharing the episodes with friends and groups and families on social media. That would be so awesome. It just takes a few moments and a few clicks. Click, 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 clicky, click. Be blessed and I'll see you next week. Oh, one more thing. They told me I needed a disclaimer, so cue the music. Let's do this. The information in all podcast episodes and corresponding materials the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves are provided for general informational and explorative purposes only. It is not professional advice. Any content provided by Alexandra Loves, guests, bloggers, sponsors, or authors are of their own opinion and not intended to defame, slander, or malign any person, place, or thing. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or attached material. Alexandra Loves and her guests are not therapists, counselors, physicians, unless otherwise stated. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast or corresponding materials to treat any mental, physical, or medical condition in either yourself or others. Please seek out appropriate professionals for help. Privacy matters to the Woke Wisdom Podcast. People, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast may be changed to protect confidentiality. Through this podcast and corresponding materials, you're able to link to other websites, which are not under the control of this podcast or Alexandra Loves. The inclusion of any links does not necessarily imply a recommendation or endorse the views expressed within them. In no event is the Woke Wisdom Podcast or Alexandra Loves liable for any loss or damage, including without limitation, indirect or consequential loss or damage, or any loss and damage whatsoever arising from your interaction with this podcast or corresponding materials. This podcast and all corresponding materials should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. This podcast and all corresponding material is owned and copyrighted by Alexandra Loves. You are welcome to download and play the podcast and share with others for personal use. Please acknowledge the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves as the source of the material. You may not accept without our express written permission, distribute, or commercially exploit the content. Email wokewisdompodcast at alexandraloves.com to attain written permissions.